Let us join our hearts in prayer. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the gift of your Holy Word and the sending forth of your Holy Spirit through that Word by which you have connected us to the work of your dear Son, our Lord Jesus, and by which you continue to keep us ready for his return at all times. We pray that the meditation of our hearts tonight may be acceptable in your sight and that you once again would come through that word to strengthen us and give us great confidence in uh, the hope of heaven we have in, our, in the salvation you've provided in Christ. We ask this all in his saving name. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed who have been purchased and bought back to God by the suffering, death, and resurrection of his only son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God's grace and his kindness and compassion are yours to be found alone in that Savior. Amen. If you've been to amusement parks very often, you'll, you'll realize that they try to disguise how long you're going to have to wait. You often uh, feel like you're getting pretty close to the ride or whatever the attraction is. Sometimes they have screens set up, TV screens, to take your attention, or they have the line wrap around the event so close to maybe the roller coaster that you feel the water dripping on you. And yet, sometimes it can still take about an hour. And the reason they do that is they know how impatient we are. We know that Americans, especially, are just very impatient people. We don't like to wait for things. We have fast food. We've got drive-through services all over the place. Amazon, we want packages delivered in just a matter of a couple of days. Eleven years ago, people were excited to have 4G, and then, now that seems old and slow, 5G, everybody's waiting for 6G. One of the difficult things about waiting uh, that, that happens to us is we can often grow complacent and uh, start to kind of maybe take some things for granted as well. It also oftentimes will, will cause us to lose our focus on what we're actually waiting for and maybe how important something really is. In the text before us, Jeremiah speaks about the church of God in this world that's waiting, waiting for Christ to come back. He says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. As Christians, we are a religion of waiters, not serving tables, but we're waiting. That's really the, the role that we have in this life in terms of waiting for our salvation. We are occupied with this longing for Christ to come back and this, these commands from him for our readiness. But there's a built-in danger for that for us spiritually. And it again falls back to this issue of complacency. And my sinful flesh, I know, loves to take advantage of the fact that Christ hasn't come back yet, and it sometimes feels like it's going to be a long time until that happens. If Jesus were to have said to me 24 hours ago, right in my face, and said, I will be here for sure in 24 hours, I probably would have lived the last 24 hours in a little bit different way. I might have had a little different enthusiasm about my faith. I might have been more careful about how I spoke 
and the kind of thoughts that I let run through my mind. Maybe some of the things that we would do would change if, if Christ were to have spoken to us that way. So it shows there's something about the length of time that we have to wait that can be for us spiritually dangerous sometimes. Back at the time of the Reformation, Martin Luther used to go and visit a man before he became a professor at uh, Wittenberg. He used to go and visit a, a monk that was kind of his father confessor, a man by the name of John Staupitz. And Staupitz, as a monk in the monastery, spent hours every day studying the scriptures and learning the Psalms and worshiping. But he, he wrote this one time about himself. He said, more than a thousand times I have vowed to God that I would improve, but I have never performed what I have vowed. We're coming near the end of another year. It's been a rough year <laughs> and a challenging year for us. And we're worn down in a variety of ways. But at the end of each year, we can sometimes just be worn down a little bit spiritually as well. And sometimes we can feel a little bit down as we look back on our life from the past year and maybe some of the things we've done and said and some of the things that have taken place in our lives. Think of some of the garbage, that spiritual garbage that uh, we've allowed to clutter our minds and our eyes and our mouths. And the older you get in life, sometimes you start to realize how much bigger that pile is than when you were younger. And it's hard for us to, to keep coming before God and confessing the same sins. Isn't that difficult? To, to keep coming to the Lord's Supper, let's say, and dropping down to the altar and having the same old garbage on your mind and heart, the same stuff time after time. And you can start to think, you know, God must have had about enough of me. God's probably had enough of who I am and what my life has been like. I think of Judas. Judas sat at Jesus' feet for a period of three years. And during that time, think of how many lessons he learned from him about greed and materialism and the love of money. Think of, think of all the times that he got to listen to Christ himself directly speak about those kind of subjects. And I wonder, maybe Jesus even took him aside once in a while and, and talked to him about it personally, realizing this was a, such a powerful temptation for him. And yet when he finally comes to his senses after selling Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, he reasons to himself, I've gone too far. My guilt is so bad Christ would never take me back. God would never want me back. And he goes and ends his own life. Judas probably reasoned with himself that, that God had finally just had enough, had finally run out of patience with him. And that's maybe how we might think toward other people. If other people treated us a certain way and did things to us time after time after time, we'd finally run out of patience. There's a point at which we'd finally say, okay, I think my mercy has gone far enough now. I think my forgiveness toward this person has gone far enough. This person doesn't seem to appreciate the compassion that I've been showing them so far, so it's going to finally come to an end. And knowing that that's how we are, and knowing that that's how often the world is to us, it's easy for us to take that thinking and apply it to God to imagine that that's how God maybe thinks toward us. 
But our text remind us, reminds us of just how wonderful it is, how patient God is with us. Despite our impatience and our complacency, he demonstrates such amazing comeback time after time patience toward you and me. The writer says his mercies are new every morning. The, the word there for new is a Hebrew word that means to refresh something, to, to make it come back out again, brand new and fresh. So don't ever let the devil convince you that, that God has had enough of you. Don't ever let the devil convince you that God has had enough of that particular sin that is so stubborn inside of your mind and your heart and your body. Don't ever think that God's patience has run out with you and that his supply of mercy towards you has been exhausted because of what you're like. That may happen between you and others, and that may be even how you operate to other people, but that is not the God of heaven. The God of heaven allows his mercies to come up for you like the sun every morning, to rise on you again every morning. Dr. Walther put it this way, the fountains of divine mercy flow continually, and even the basest ingratitude and the most wanton misuse cannot stop them. God doesn't think in terms of amount of grace. He doesn't think in terms of amount or frequency of his mercy. It's unending. It's abounding. It's not as though there is a, a certain allotment that he has in a particular compartment of his forgiveness that will only go so far, and when you finally have used that up in your life, then you're done. No, his nurse mercies are new every morning. And he comes to you through his word and his sacrament, even through the word that's just remembered inside of your head. Isn't that neat? Sometimes you can't even think of a Bible passage, but you're just refreshed and reminded about the grace of God. Luther used to say, I can just look at a picture of Christ and it can remind me of the grace of God. And your Lord Jesus says to you, he, he invites you to come and take his holy supper often because he knows this is an ongoing problem for you and me. He knows that it's something we need to be refreshed in on a regular basis. And just like a, a new mother may take her one hour old baby and hold it up to her side and hold it close to her. And uh, just that first child, how exciting that is. That's how God is with you and me with his mercy. He, every day, is willing to take us and embrace us with his love in Christ and his great forgiveness and hold us close to his side. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, this, this coming king, has come to cleanse us of all sin. And there are no restrictions on that cleansing. So the best way for you and me to, to wait for this Savior is to be reminded every day of the freshness and the refreshing nature of God's grace toward us. Amen.